Well, good morning, guys. It's been a great morning already, and now kind of a chaotic morning. But that's all right. That's all right, because this, uh, 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 you know, it, to have an interruption like that is, is pretty awesome. And it kind of it feels like it fits just a little bit, because this morning is less of a sermon and more just of a meditation on how generous God is. He's so generous. Sometimes he even gives us snow at the beginning of November, which is so weird. Like, that is so weird. I was not expecting that. I did not see that coming. But we're in the month of November, and uh, it, it's easy to look forward to Thanksgiving. Uh, and so I, I, I think it's appropriate to, to begin this month by talking about the sheer mad generosity of God. Matthew 7, 9 through 11 says this, Which one of you, if his sons asked him for bread, will give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, will give him a serpent? If you then, who are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father, who is in heaven, give good things to those who ask him? Our God is a generous Father. Yesterday, I looked out in my backyard, and uh, we have a trampoline that's pushed right into the corner. And I, I looked down there out, and I, I saw these little round things on the pad of our trampoline right in the corner. And, and I thought, I said, Sarah, are those apples? And sure enough, they're apples. Now, this might not seem that strange to you because there is, in fact, an apple tree right next to it. But that apple tree is only like five feet tall. Is that about right? Five feet? Five feet to something like that. And so, like, you know, it just looks like this little thing that maybe one day will be a tree. But it's dropped these full-size, in fact, big old apples. And I was so excited thinking about the future. There's going to be so many apples. And I like apples a lot. And I like them when they're baked and turned into, you know, apple butter or apple pie and all these wonderful things. But I started thinking about the crazy, how crazy apple trees are. I just want you to think about this, okay? We all know how these work, so you might have stopped thinking about how weird this is, but you, you know how these things work, these apple trees? You take an apple core, that's the part that you don't eat. The one part that you don't eat, you can just throw away and you get a whole tree. <laughs> like you thought recycling was cool, you throw a can away, you get another can. This you get like billions of cans. Like you throw one single core into the ground, cover it up, and then you get another, like, tree. And then from those can come, like, orchards and orchards. Do you guys realize that? You probably do. But have you thought about how crazy that is? I mean, really. Really. Like, you would think it was crazy if an orange tree grew, maybe. Like, that would be, that'd be interesting. That'd be different. But the only reason that we, that we don't see how incredible this is is because we've seen it so many times. You know? Like, that is a marvel, you guys. See, we need, we need food to survive, right? And, and we live in such a world that we throw food in the ground and more comes. Like, it just, more, more food comes. You put it in the ground and that thing that we desperately need is there in abundance. Like, buffets of food come out of the ground. We serve a generous God. But we need something more than food, don't we? We need, we need water. Fortunately, that literally falls from the sky. Like, think about this. We think it's cool reading about the children of Israel 
when manna is on the ground, like cornflakes every morning, you know. But have you ever considered that they were in the desert? We probably have it better than they do because we live in Oregon. And the thing we really need, water falls from the sky all the time. Like all the time. Sometimes it comes down and it's freezing, which is in itself pretty cool. Like all the time. And get this. It, 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 we, can, we, can, we can let it fall into pools and, and, and put it in reservoirs. And then we can, we can keep on drinking all through the summer when it stops raining. We have so much we can even wash our bodies, praise the Lord, with the extra water. We have so much of this stuff that we desperately need that we put it in pretend guns and walk around and soak the kids on Wednesday nights. That's what the pastoral staff does. This is why Wednesday Kids Group is the best. Just constant soaking of children. It's amazing. <laughs> That's how much we have. We serve a very, very generous God. The things that we need the most actually are here. And, and even when you think, oh man, we've used all the water. Oh, guess what? The water just goes back up and it gathers in clouds and it comes down again. Like we can't even see it happening. It's like magic. Like this is science fiction kind of stuff. This is sci-fi level stuff. The things you need the most, it comes down and it goes back up and it does it again. And now 7 billion people have had like a drink of water pretty much every day of their life. Like that's, that's crazy, isn't it? What about air? Air is the only thing that we need more than, than food or water, right? Oxygen. Fortunately, it's literally what we breathe all the time out here. And if we're worried about running out of it, you know, we've got these neighbors, these really tall green neighbors in Oregon. A lot of them. These trees. You know what they do? They breathe out that thing that we need to breathe in. Sci-fi level stuff, I'm telling you. And I know, I know, you're just talking science, man. I know, I know. I've, I've read the textbooks as well. I understand them. That's a lie. I don't really understand them. <laughs> but I have a sense in how this stuff works. But all science does is observes. All your science book is telling you is what happens. This is all like, well, well these, here's the physical laws. Yeah, why are they laws? Well, because this is the way it works. They, you're telling me what happens, not why. Why is it that science is so magnanimous? You know what I mean? Why is it that the physical world is so kind and giving us, giving us apple trees from a single apple, giving us as much water and air as we could possibly need? That's not some impersonal force, you guys. We serve a very absurdly generous father. It's kind of mind-blowing, isn't it? Of course, there's other things too, you know. It's not just food. It's not just water. It's not just, not just oxygen. It's, you know, it's other, other stuff that we, we don't necessarily need for survival, which is a strange thing if you subscribe to a purely cold Darwinian concept of the world where it's that survival instinct or that life force that just keeps on going so it can survive. Because we have all kinds of things that have basically nothing to do with survival, but are still awesome. For example, let's go back to those apples mentioned before. I love Thanksgiving so much. Do you know why? Oh, you know why. Not just football, yeah. Football is, <laughs> that is I said that, but right on. Uh, more than that, 
It is the time when family gathers around that table and we get to sink our teeth into apple pie. And then we eat Thanksgiving dinner and then we have apple pie. <laughs> Why do we have taste buds, friends? Why is it that our mouth can see beauty? That's what we're talking about. Man, cooking is art, right? There's some like art, and our mouths know when it's good art. Like, we don't need that to survive. In fact, you could make the argument that some of us might thrive more if we ate things that were really good for us and taste terrible like Brussels sprouts, right? That's right. I'm sure we have Brussels sprouts fans in the audience. But I'm 43 years old and I don't like Brussels sprouts and I don't eat them anymore. Thank you. But I do love apple pie and turkey and all these things that we do not need. Our God is so generous. He doesn't just give us the things we need for survival. He gives us the things we need to enjoy the things he gives us for survival. Have you thought about that? That's absurd. But see, it gets better. It's not just what we taste, our noses can also taste long before our mouths do, which is another reason we all love Thanksgiving. Oh, because you can tell, you can tell. Your nose is saying, hey, hey, good, good things are coming, friend. Good, good things. And you smell the turkey, and you smell the rolls, and you smell the, 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 the green bean casserole. You smell all of it coming, and it's so exciting. And you're, you're ready, your whole spirit is ready, and you're filled with gladness. Why do we have those abilities? Why do we have these senses? I suggest to you it's because we have a generous Father who gives and gives and doesn't just give us what we need, but He gives us, oh, He gives us senses to be able to appreciate and perceive all the beauty around us. We see it, we smell it, we taste it, we hear it, we touch it. And he's given us minds to, minds to investigate it. I saw a video uh, years ago talking about the unique, uh, what, what a unique home we have on planet Earth. All these things we take advantage of, and, or, or uh, take for granted, excuse me. Uh, you know, things like on this planet, we have all these things that naturally are, sustain life, but aren't on these other planets, like the presence of water, um, like, uh, uh, the, uh, uh, like a magnetic field, right? Like an atmosphere to keep oxygen in, like uh, the, the, the proper distance from a star to where the temperature is right and we can, we can live just fine in the right you know, gravitational force, etc. There's all these amazing things that seem to be very unique in this particular planet. And here we are, right? Super cool. But they brought in one other thing that I had never thought about before. And that was, we, we're in a place in the Milky Way galaxy where we're like on a balcony in the Milky Way galaxy. Did you know that? We have like a window view. We have a room with a view here on planet Earth. I was just in Mendocino, California a couple weeks ago, and there's no lights anywhere like a thousand miles from Mendocino or something. That's what it feels like. Just keeps on going forever. Nobody lives there except some crazy YWAMers. And anyway, I was down there, and at, there was no moon one night, and I step out, and I had forgotten about the stars in Mendocino. 
Like you, you just walk out and you're like this. Like you could reach up and, and touch the Milky Way. <laughs> you could see this, this strip of like, it looks like cl a cloud of stars. And it's so amazing. You reach out and touch these stars. Do you know if we were a little further in, we wouldn't be able to see any of it? Because that cloud of stars that is the Milky Way, it's billions and billions of galaxies, like right up there, would be too bright. We wouldn't be able to see anything out of there. But it just so happens we're in this ideal place, like right on this far-flung arm, that we can look all around and we can see the arm of the Milky Way, but we can also see into deep space. And then we can, because we have these great, incredible minds that God gave us, we can, we can investigate deep space. Some of you guys have seen some of the incredible pictures that have come from the James Webb Telescope. Have you seen some of these? Let's pull up that first one, Amy. This first one's called the Cartwheel Galaxy. The Cartwheel Galaxy. Can you see why they call it the Cartwheel Galaxy? Isn't that crazy? That is up there. That is up there. And I, here's what I really think. I really do think this. I think God has been up really excited and waiting for the day that we would see the cartwheel galaxy. I think he put it up there as a decoration that we could see and be like, what? That's so awesome. He's like, yes, yes, there's more. There's more. For example, next one. There's this. What is this? <laughs> they call this the fingerprint. It's two stars really close together in all of this, this space dust between them. And it looks like God just went, <laughs> he put his fingerprint in space. Tell me that's not cool. And there's more. There's this one too. This one is the craziest. I just can't even fathom this one. The pillars of creation, they call it. The NASA scientists. Who many, many of them are believers, by the way. <laughs> they look up, yeah, yeah, we're not even the pillars of creation. I can't even use a different term because that is so wild. It, it looks so beautiful and crazy that you think that can't be real. That's got to come from a comic book. That's got to come from a Marvel movie. That's got to come from Star Trek or something. It's that beautiful and that outrageous. And we can see it. And we can be awed by it because we have a window seat in the galaxy. We serve a generous, generous Father. And friends, these bodies that we have, we, we can, like I say, perceive beauty with our senses, right? But, you know, they can even, they can even create things. Children, for one. <laughs> Good job, guys. Keep going. There are so many children, new humans that are popping up, which is in itself amazing. You guys, I love, I love seeing that we continue to refresh that nursery. Just, just keep refreshing. It's fantastic. But even beyond that, we can create and do these amazing things. How is it that we can do these amazing things? Now, as you guys know, I'm a big basketball fan. And if you'll indulge me for just a second, we're only two and a half weeks into the new NBA season. But some of the teams, I'm not going to mention any names, some of the teams are intentionally not playing very well. They are, what's the word? Tanking. They're tanking, and it's obvious. And they're going to pretend they're not because they'll get fined. Why would a team intentionally lose games? Well, they, they don't want to lose too many, otherwise it becomes obvious. But the reason is the teams with the worst records get the top draft picks. And there is one young man right now 
and I got to tell you about him. His name is Victor Wimbanyama, okay? He's from France. He's 18 years old. Just want to tell you about this kid, okay? He's 7 feet 4 inches tall, a little like myself. <laughs> now, there are, there are a couple other guys that are that tall. I think two other guys in the NBA that are around that tall. But they, when they run, they run like someone who's 7 feet 4 inches tall. This kid runs like he's 6 foot 3. And this kid handles the ball. You see some of these moves, and you're like, he handles the ball like Steph Curry. And then he shoots three-pointers. He's seven feet, four inches tall, shooting three-pointers. Now, if you're a basketball fan, you're just like, okay, whatever. Like, you, he's unstoppable. How are you ever going to stop a guy who shoots like that? Now, I don't want to take away anything from this kid. Everybody wants to get the worst uh, record or have the best chance of drafting him because they want him on his team, right? Now, I don't want to take anything away. He has worked incredibly hard at his craft. Like, incredibly hard. But where does that talent come from? <laughs> he's seven feet four inches tall. He's got muscles that can fire so quickly that he can run fast, that he can jump high, he can do all of these things. You know, it's, it's funny, it, we can all roll our eyes when we see a football game or a basketball game and we see a player at the end after they've had some great performance be able to say, I just want to thank God for giving me the ability and they go on and it's easy to roll your eyes. But isn't that completely the most appropriate thing you can ever do? Where does your talent come from? And again, you don't take anything away from these guys. They work hard to hone their craft so, so hard. But our talents come from Him. Our bodies come from Him. He is a generous Father. Now, I have been... Thinking about this, I've been, I've been, uh, uh, I grew up a big fan of the band U2. Any other U2 fans here? Of course there are. And, and the lead singer, Bono, just put out this memoir that I've been reading, or rather listening to. It's an audio book. And, and it has been really cool. And right at the beginning, if any of you guys ever know U2's music, Bono sings loudly. Like, he's, he's loud. He's wailing about his emotions. I mean, he's just like that way, right? Well, about six years ago, he had uh, uh, major heart surgery, and he starts the book this way. So hang with me. I'm just going to read you an excerpt of what he said. I thought this was really, really appropriate for what we're talking about. Success, he says, may be propelled by some unfair advantage or circumstance, if not privilege, then a gift, a talent, or some other form of inherited wealth. But hard work also hides behind some of these doors. I always thought mine was a gift for holding top-line melody, not just in music, but in politics, in commerce, and in the world of ideas in general. Where others would hear harmony or counterpoint, I was better at finding the top line in the room, the hook, the clear thought, probably because I had to sing it or sell it. But now, I see that my advantage was something more prosaic, more base. Mine was a genetic advantage, the gift of air. That's right, air. Your man has a lot of firepower in that war chest of his, said the man who sawed through my breastbone, speaking to my wife and next of kin, Allie, after the operation. We need an extra strong wire to sew him up. He's probably at about 130% of normal lung capacity for his age. And suddenly it all makes sense. That's what we've been hearing all these years. Now, again... I, 
I don't take anything away from this man. He has honed his craft to an incredible, beautiful, artistic levels. But all the things that you and I have, all of the gifts and talents, all the, the hard work we put into our crafts, all of this, whatever it is we do, like whether we cut hair or run wires or fix cars or take care of children or balance budgets, every single one of those abilities comes from our generous Father. Every single one. He is generous. He gives us what we need to survive. He gives us what we need to enjoy life. He gives us what we need to investigate the world. He gives us what we need to live and thrive and create in this world. Deuteronomy 8.17, if you start thinking to yourself, I did all this, and all by myself I'm rich, it's all mine. Well, think again. <laughs> Remember that God, your God, gave you the strength to produce all this wealth so as to confirm the covenant that he promised your ancestors as it is today. It is God who gives us those things. And here's the thing, guys. The gifts of God are without repentance. Like, have you ever noticed that God doesn't take back all the things we have after we start being knuckleheads? Like, sometimes we want them to for other people, but God doesn't have repo angels, you know? He's <laughs> like, <laughs> banging on your door at five in the morning and driving away with your talent. Like, he doesn't, he doesn't do that. He doesn't do that. Hey, where'd that apple tree go? Bring that back. He doesn't. The rain that we so desperately need continues to fall on the just and the unjust. That means even the jerks in our lives get water for drinking and <laughs> bottling cider and taking baths in, right? They can continue to make a living and enjoy their life even if they're opposed to the very idea of God. Even if they're cruel people and enemies to their neighbors. And this is, this was actually a sore spot for a long time in the Old Testament. People weren't so much upset that God judged people, they were more upset that God didn't do it often enough. They didn't like the fact that their neighbors were still succeeding because they were bad people and that's what they railed against the justice of God about. How could you let these people thrive? Over and over again it happened that way. But do any of us at the end of the day really deserve the blessings of God in the first place? I would suggest not. Grace is unmerited by definition. It is unmerited. All of the blessings he has given us, friends, is unmerited. But he just keeps on going. He just keeps on going with it. Do not be deceived, James 1, 16 and 17 says. Do not be deceived, my beloved brothers. Every good gift and every perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of lights, with whom there is no variation or shadow due to change. No shadow, no change. He gives good gifts. He's not going to stop. You see that? He gives good gifts. He is a God full of grace. That's who he is. This week I went through, wanted to get this sort of master list of all the things God gives in the Bible. Soon realized that was our gargantuan task. Decided not to make this <laughs> complete 
I'll just focus on the New Testament. And I was just taking the the primary uh, Greek word. And I was just like, I'm going to drill down. And even that was like just too much. I didn't even go into the Old Testament. I was just going new. Good grief. Can I show you? I'm just going to give you part of my list here. Okay. Check this out. Here's, Here's a sample. He's given us the keys to the kingdom of heaven. He's given us the right to become children of God. He's given us the spirit of adoption. He's given us authority over evil. He's given us appropriate words to say at key times. He's given us the gift of eternal life. He's given us redemption and the riches of grace. He's given us the Holy Spirit. He's given us wisdom when we need it. He's given us victory over sin. He's given us the ministry of reconciliation. That's his ministry. He's made us heirs to his ministry of reconciliation. He's given us eternal comfort and good hope through grace. He's given us a spirit of power and of love and a sound mind. He's given us understanding. He's given us spiritual gifts. He's given ministry gifts. He's given us his very son. What's left? What's left? Worship team, come on up. Like seriously, what's left? All that, all that's around us, the trees, the air, the water, the breath, the talent, the mind, one another, all of these things we just looked at, what's, what's left? I'm going to ask my friend Clive Staples Lewis what he says. Mere Christianity, right here. Get this. Every faculty you have, your power of thinking or of moving your limbs from uh, moment to moment is given you by God. If you devoted every moment of your whole life exclusively to his service, you could not give him anything that was not in a sense already his own. (laughs) Do you see that? Ah. So that when we talk of a man doing anything for God or giving anything to God, I will tell you what it is really like. It's like a small child going to his father and saying, Daddy, give me sixpence to buy you a birthday present. <laughs> of course, your fa- the father does, and he's pleased with the child's present. It's all very nice and proper. But only an idiot would think that the father is sixpence richer <laughs> for the, <laughs> from that transaction. When a man has made these two discoveries, God can really get to work. It's after this that real life begins. The man is awake now. Do you see, everything we have comes from him. Everything we have comes from him. I'm always amazed by artists and painters. I look at some of the work that this guy does. Kind of makes me sick because he's not only a phenomenal guitar player, he's a great digital painter. You always see, he's like, amen, amen. I knew I shouldn't do that. You always see in the bottom corner, you see, his, his signature down there. And I, I, I can't help but think, as all the things we've looked at from the generosity of God, that every part of ourselves has his signature, you know? Has that fingerprint. Every talent, every possession, every person, every spiritual gift, every hope, all of those things has the fingerprint, the signature of God. And here's the thing, friends. I want to suggest to you this. 
that is not just a signature as a statement of origin. It is also a statement of belonging. A statement of belonging. We are already His. We're already His. The only intelligent response I can think of to all of this, when we discover everything's from Him, the only intelligent response I can think of is to just give ourselves back, you know? Like, His signature's all over us. Oh, you oh, this is, oh, this is yours, oh, this is, oh, this is yours. This is yours. This is yours. For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son, that whosoever believes in Him will not perish but have everlasting life. Ushers, come on forward with the uh, uh, communion tray. Well, can, can we do that? We're going to take communion this morning, and we're going we're gonna to sing this song again. Great is your faithfulness, O God. Great is your faithfulness. There's no shadow of turning. He continues to give, and He continues to give good gifts. He doesn't get tired of us. He doesn't get tired of the knuckleheadedness that we mentioned. He gives good gifts. Great is His faithfulness. These are coming around. Let's sing the song, and we're going to take this together. Let's just enter into worship for thanksgiving for His incredible generosity. God of Abraham, you're the God of covenants, of faithful promises. Time and time again, you have proven you'll do just what you say. Though the storms may come and the winds may blow, I'll remain steadfast. And let my heart learn when you speak a word, it will come to
behold, even his only son. Even his only son he did not withhold from us. Even his only son he did not withhold from us. Your generosity, Lord, is too much. What is man that you are mindful of him? Who are we, Lord, to deserve all of this? Who are we truly to deserve all of this? But the only intelligent response, Lord, is to say, yes, we receive. Say that with me. We receive that, Lord. We receive your goodness. We receive the gift of your son again. We receive the new life that he's promised. We receive you. We say yes. We say yes. On the night he was betrayed, Jesus took the bread and he broke it. And he said, this is my body broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. We remember you and we remember your outrageous, unimaginable, astronomical generosity. And we say yes and thank you. Let's take it together. say yes to the blood you shed for us. We say yes to the new covenant, the cup of the new covenant. We say yes to your cleansing. We say yes to your new life. We do this now in remembrance of you. Let's take it. Let's sing that chorus one more time. Would you stand up? Great is your faithfulness to me. 